Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. The title of today's talk is called Influence. And you've just experienced being influenced. Did you realise that? You did. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about that today. And this is our, the next in our Coastland series. And we're really talking about what God's vision is for us at Riverside Vineyard Church. We gather as a community to celebrate, to worship, to pray, to give testimonies. We come to hear God's word. We come to encourage one another, to support one another. We come to laugh with those that laugh and weep with those that weep. We are family and we gather together as God's family in this amazing place that God has given us. But we're also called to be scattered out into the presence of Jesus and the good news of the gospel to those around us. And so we're called to be scattered. And we're called, as our motto says, to be good for everyone. Are you good for everyone? You are? Fantastic. (laughs) We're also called to serve. To do what Jesus is doing and to say what Jesus is saying. To be Jesus to the community around us. And last week we looked at sharing and being extravagantly generous. Now I know there's some people out there who've still got wardrobes stuffed full of stuff that you will never, ever, ever, ever use again. Get rid. Simplify. Downsize. You know, they've calculated that we've got so many bits and bobs and pieces and stuff that we spent hours and hours and hours maintaining them and keeping them into such a pristine condition, all that kind of stuff. And Jesus says, get rid. Keep it simple. And today, we're going to be talking about influencing. So what is influence? Shall we have a quick look? Because somewhere, I think... Oh, Oh, there it is. Influence is the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behaviour of someone or something. We as a church want to have influence. We want to have an impact on the people around us. And of course we want to be a positive influence, don't we? We want to be a positive influence for good. And we want to be able to change people's lives and character through the influence that we have as disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, where does influence come from? Well, influence can come from the fact that we're in a hierarchy. Somebody's the boss, and somebody's the underling, the servant, and the boss says, do this, do that, do the other. And that's kind of influence, isn't it? That influence can be positive or it can be negative. Now, before I became the pastor of the church here, which I was some time ago, um, I was a senior executive in a multinational organisation. 
And I ran a big team of people. And when I say go, they went. And when I say come, they came. And when I said this is the project we're doing and this is kind of the deadline we want to meet, it's kind of like that's how the way things worked. And then you become the pastor of a church, you see, and then you have to go through a whole mindset change. Because people no longer come when you say come, and they don't go when you say go. And as to time frames and time scales, well, forget it, you know. We'll be having a committee meeting for the next two years, you know, to decide anything. So you have to understand that influence is not just about positional. It's about also about leadership gifting. And you may be a leader, even though you may not have the title of leader. There was a, a very interesting period. We had an elder called David Haynes, who's still in the congregation today. And um, he stepped down from being an elder. But whenever we were thinking about big decisions, we'd always be thinking, well, what would David think? And what would David be saying, saying to people who came to him, asking his opinion? Because he was an influencer. He carried weight within the congregation. And some people influence people just by the fact that they've got a personality that's a kind of almost a force that hits you. Isn't that right? Have you come across those kind of people? They walk into a room and it's all about them. And all of a sudden, you know, they've got influence around them. And there's a lot of celebrities out there, have you noticed, on Twitter and all social media, and they do this thing and they do that thing, and all of a sudden everybody's doing that thing or doing this thing. And they influence fashion, and they influence direction of stuff. Gosh, one tweet can change the world. Did you know that? You see, we are meant to be, are called to be, a people of influence. And we've got to be the people of influence who are... And we've got to do that against what the world believes, what the culture is that we're in. Now, our influence doesn't become because we're part of a hierarchy. Would that the church rule the world? Oh, I don't think so. But anyway, it doesn't come from the fact that we may have great leaders. It doesn't come from the fact that we may have great personalities. Our influence comes because of who we are in Jesus Christ. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is about who we are in Christ and what the Bible says we are. And I want to challenge us to the fact that we probably don't actually believe what the Bible says about us. Because if we did believe what the Bible says about us, we would be so much more passionate about sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if we were experiencing the truth of the word of God, it would change everything. We talk a lot in Riverside Church about identity. Why? Because identity is the absolute key to how you live the Christian life as you are meant to live it. And to be the person that God calls you to be. Right back there at the beginning of Acts, when there's about 120 people, and they meet in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit comes, and there's an explosion of the church. 3,000 people get added to the church in one day. And that 120 people go and turn the world upside down. Now, I reckon we could be 120 in here today. 
We could turn the coastlands upside down. We could turn this community in which we live upside down. If we began, if we begin to believe who God says we are in Christ. Now, we just go a quick recap. The Bible narrative, the Bible story, is all about God creating the universe out of nothing. The Big Bang. Yes, there was a Big Bang. Science says there was a Big Bang. And God says there was a Big Bang. Out of nothing, God created everything. And he looked at it and he said it was good. And then he decided to create Adam and Eve, mankind. And he liked that idea because they were really special. Because he was going to have a really special relationship with them. And they were going to enjoy his presence. And they were going to be made in his image. That means they were going to have dominion over all the earth. They were going to rule his creation. They were going to work on creation and improve it and build it up and make it amazing. And because they were in the image of God, they represented God. So that if you saw Adam and Eve, it'd be like seeing God. And God said that was very, very good. But then we know that the story changes because Adam and Eve rebelled, they disobeyed, and sin entered the world. And we focus a lot on sin because we're evangelicals. But you know, that's not the only thing that went wrong when Adam and Eve sinned. The image of God was bent out of shape. And they were separated from God and his presence. They no longer were recognisable as God because the image was marred. It was broken. And not only that, we lost our authority, we lost our dominion. We no longer were the rulers of this world. We gave away that power to Satan who now is called, or was called, the ruler of this world. And the Old Testament describes the covenant that God put in place to try and repair the damage that had happened. And it was a covenant agreement that was based on giving out to his people, the people of Israel, a whole set of laws. And he said, keep them and obey them, you will be blessed. And if you break them, you will be cursed. But your identity will be dependent on your obedience to me. And that's what God put in place. But he also put in place a way to deal with sin. He brought in this whole sacrificial system whereby animals were sacrificed to atone for sin. I want to ask you a kind of challenging question. God has put in place a covenant, an agreement with people. It's based on people following the law, but knowing that the law, all the law did really was to make clear what was sin, so that we're much more aware of that we are sinning. And God puts in place a system to deal with that sin through animal sacrifice. So let me ask you a question. Why did Jesus die? We'll find, we'll find, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out. Because that wasn't the end of the story. 
Because God knew that that wasn't the end of the story. He needed to do something else. And throughout the Old Testament, there is this prophecy that's coming, which says there's going to be a new covenant. There's going to be a new agreement. God is coming to change our hearts and our minds. He's going to make us new creations. Yes, Jesus died so that we could truly, truly and totally be forgiven. But that's not the only reason he died. He came because he knew he had to deal with something even deeper. Because sin is just a symptom. He had to deal with the root cause, which was our broken image. Jesus came that our image should be repaired so that we can be new creations in Christ. And being new creations in Christ, we, can in, we take on a new identity. An identity that reflects now the image of Jesus Christ. Paul puts it this way. Our old broken identity died with Jesus on the cross. So that we can have our new identity through the resurrected life of Jesus. The old has gone. The new has come. We get a brand new identity. And that identity reflects who God is, his true image. So that when people look at you and me who are in Christ, they should be seeing Jesus. Oh, you've all gone quiet. That's scary, isn't it? You see, that is such good news. Because Jesus not only died to deal with my sin so that I can be totally, utterly forgiven, knowing that I'm loved totally and utterly by God, but he's come to fix the real problem that was my identity, my image that was broken, and that's now been repaired so that I can again represent Jesus. I can again represent God. Is that you? Because that's what the Bible teaches us. But we kind of fudge around this. Because it's scary to think that we are Jesus. You see, the word Christian means little Christ. Okay? We're not as big and as amazing as Jesus Christ himself. But we are made in his image. And we're to represent him to the world. So the influence that we have flows from our identity in Christ. We are to be the Christians in, the, in our society who bring the love and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people around us because they are hungry and are in need and we have the answers. You see, as image bearers society, who should have the answers to all those problems? I believe God's people, God's children, should be bringing answers to the problems in our community. You see, we're going to have a baptism service on the 28th of April, and hopefully there'll be some people we're going to baptise. And we're going to take them, and it's really, really strange. We're going to put them in a tub of water... And then we're going to say some words, and they're not magic words, they're just words. And then we're going to take that person, and we're going to thrust them under the water. 
Well, that's probably, if you were thinking of getting baptised, you're probably thinking maybe not. The good news is, they also pull you up. But it's a visual aid about how we die and how we're reborn. And that's all about identity. It's not just about being forgiven for being a sinner. It's about being made new in Christ. Okay? Have you got it? Did you get that? Wow. You see, I used to work in the Abbey National before it became Santander. And I was in the branch network, and I was working my way up as a trainee. Next thing was be assistant manager, then a manager. And then I observed something. I noticed that the managers spent all their time out kind of with people selling them things, selling them savings schemes, and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? I really didn't believe in that. And so I decided that wasn't for me, and I'd go off and be an accountant instead. The funny thing is, a few years later, I go and work for uh, BOC, now called GIST, over at Faversham, and I found myself in a job where I'm selling stuff to Marks and Spencers. Okay? But actually, I believed in what we were doing. I believed we were making a difference. I believed it was a good thing to do. I got to the point where I knew technology that one computer could talk to another computer. And I was telling NMS, your computer can talk to our computer, and this would make a revolution. Oh, I didn't like that idea much. And I went on and on and on about this so much that one day I went to a meeting, and somebody who was leaving his job and moving on to something else said, Chris, we know you're so passionate about this cause that we've given, we want to give you a present. And what they did was they gave me a piece of wire. <laughs> and they said, this, this is what we think you want. A piece of wire that connects one computer to another. I said, yes, that would be really great. And then they laughed, and we all laughed. But two years later, I had the laugh laugh because we connected the computers up. But you see, I was passionate about something I believed in. Are you passionate about what you believe? Are you passionate about the good news of the gospel? Because you have the ability, you have the power, the authority to influence people. And when Jesus died on the cross, not only did he deal with our sin, not only did he deal with our identity, but he also re-established our authority to rule the earth as God's people. Oh my goodness. Scary lot to think that you lot are in charge. Because when we lost our authority, we lost... When we lost our identity, we lost our authority... And Satan became the ruler of this world, but Jesus came to restore God's kingdom and rule on the earth. Because Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus is the king. Jesus has come again to be king of this world. And he taught us that prayer, that we should pray, that God's will should be done here on earth, as it is in heaven. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you to make earth look like heaven by releasing the kingdom power and authority into the community and the lives and the situations that you come across. With our identity restored, we can represent God again. And with our authority restored, 
we can influence people and situations for good. This is who you are called to be. Do you get that? Because we can turn the coastlands upside down because of who we are in Christ, because of the authority that we carry. Moving on, quickly. Oh, is that clock stopped? Gosh, I could preach another sermon this way. <laughs> Jesus is the king. I love the Lord of the Rings, don't you? And that thing about the return of the king. And he comes back and he's, oh, amazing. But Jesus is the real king. And he has returned. And he's the king of our lives. Now, if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you believe he's the son of God. And you believe he's the king of all creation. And our king is a real king. I was interested to read in the paper that... um, that they're having all this trouble in Parliament. Have you noticed? <laughs> and somebody came, up with a, somebody came up with an idea, we'll pass a law. Uh, and it's not the one that the government wanted to be passed, but the MPs are going to do it. Uh, but for a law to come into force, it has to have royal assent. The Queen has to sign it into law, you see. And as there all these now constitutional lawyers arguing about whether or not the Queen could be asked not to sign it into law. You see, our Queen is a figurehead. She doesn't have any real power. Jesus is a real King. He has real power and real authority. And Paul says that we would bow the knee to this King. We should humble ourselves before this King. Because he is the true king. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And kings, when they rule, they delegate their authority out to their people. And people are given tasks to do in the name of the king. And you've been given a task in the name of the king to go and make disciples to go and spread the good news of the kingdom, to go and tell people that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's jolly good news. But to yield the authority that we're given requires us to be surrendered. We must submit ourselves to Jesus. And that submission is the development of our character. It's not something that we should be holding ourselves against. Because actually being submissive to somebody in our current age and culture is not cool, is it? You know? Authority's got a bad press. And certainly authority in the church has had bad press. But Jesus calls us to totally surrender. And the way he he wants us to do it, is the way that he did it. You see, Jesus went around and he did amazing things. But then he said something quite amazing. He said, I can only do what the Father's doing and I can only say what the Father's saying. And as God's representatives here on earth, we can only do what God's doing and we can only say what God's saying. 
And we can spend an awful lot of time on our own pet projects and ministries, but if God's not in them, it's a waste of time. Wow. Oh, gosh. I think I'm scaring you now. You see, it's the same for us. If we want to, if we want to use the authority that God has given us, we have to humble ourselves before him and say, Lord, what is it that you're doing? What is it you're saying? Where is it you want us to be? Do you want us to, do you want us to be running Grow Baby? Do you want us to be running a Lego club in Herne Bay? Do you want us to be doing this, that or the other? And if God says, yeah, I'm in it, go for it. And if he's not, then we shouldn't do it. What I'm talking about when I'm talking about character. You see, when we read in Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit, these are the characteristics of Jesus. These are the characteristics of the Father. These are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And if we are to represent them, if we're to be made in their, their image, which we are, that's our identity, then this is how we should be. If we yield our authority, we must do it with joy and love and peace. It's not about us. It's not about making us feel good. It's not about us dominating or manipulating people. We want people to know love. We want people to know joy. We want people to know peace. You go and ask anybody around, you know, in your community, anybody that you're friends with and say, do you want love? Do you want joy? Do you want peace? How many votes do you think you get for that? And that's how we should be influencing people, through our love, through our joy, and the fact that we are people of peace. And when we extend the authority of the kingdom, when we command people to be healed, when we command God to come into people's lives and change them, we want to do it because we want to do it with kindness and compassion. Because when Jesus saw somebody in need, the Bible tells us that he was compassionate. And out of that compassion rose the authority to change the situation. And that's what God calls us to, to have that influence to change people's life. We want to represent God's goodness. We want to bring that goodness into situations that are downright awful where people are struggling with debt, where people are struggling with relationship problems, where people are facing unimaginable struggles, we want to come and bring God's goodness into their lives to make it different. And we want to do it with gentleness and humility, knowing that we carry Jesus, but it is Jesus that does this, not us. He is the treasure that is within us, that affects the change. Jesus gave people power to go and do things. He sent out the twelve to go and heal the sick, cleanse lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. And Jesus says to you today, you have that command, you have that authority to go and do the same. And then, just to make sure that we got the message, he sent out 72. So that we can't just claim it was only the apostles that did that. No! <laughs> it's us who are called by his name. 
and we're called to go and influence people for good. So how will that work out? Well, Jesus talks about us being salt and light, powerful people who go into the world to effect a change, to have an impact on the world. Now, salt preserves and it brings flavour. You know, when we are full of love and joy and peace, we bring flavour to something, don't we? We make a difference to the people that are around us. Um, <laughs> I once was, um, well, in the organisation I was in, it was a bit rough and ready. Um, swear words were common. Um, but I think over time, I managed to take a team of people that used various words less and less and less. I think I was a positive influence for good in cleaning up some of the language we used. Now, we have to be careful with how we behave because we are not superior. We've been saved by grace. It's nothing of us. We have nothing to boast about. We can't be holier than thou. And boy, has the church been holier than thou down the years. We can't be like that. We have to do God's work, the good works that we're called to, with humility. Now, salt does add flavour to food. Now, I know salt's bad for you. It does all kinds of things, evidently, and we shouldn't be eating too much salt. But have you had an exciting dish that when you put it in your mouth, there's an explosion of flavour, a tingling around the lips? Curries that just leave you (sighs) hungering for more. You see, that's what we're called to be. We're not called to be porridge. (laughs) I like porridge. (laughs) Porridge is good. (laughs) But sometimes I think as Christians we can be like porridge. (laughs) It's not very attractive, it's not very appealing, is it? And cold porridge, well, that's even worse. Won't go there. You see, we're called to be flavoursome as people of God. Joyful, influencing people, positively helping, bringing solutions, not being part of the problem, but being part of the solution. We're called to be lights. Now, the trouble is, you see, we could all hide in here, can't we? Come here once a week on a Sunday, encourage ourselves, build one another up, and so that we can just get through the next six days. (laughs) Or we can go out there and say, no, we are children of God. We're sons and daughters of the king. And he's given us rule and reign and authority to help people. But we're going to do it with humility and love and joy. And we're going to be visible. See, light shines into the darkness and it reveals things that need to be fixed. And we've got to be the light that says that is an injustice. It needs to be fixed. And we've got to be part of that fixing stuff. And we've got to be a light that leads people to Jesus because it's all about him. He is the centre of it all. You see, our mission is to find where our community is hurting, broken, or in desperate need, 
where it is facing a hopeless situation, where we can bring the kingdom into that situation, releasing the restoring power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to effect change. That's your job. Are you doing it well? Our influencing will change lives of the people in our community. Let me ask you a question. Who's been a good influence on you? Have you had people in your life that have been a good influence? People that have made a difference. You may have had people that in, in, your, in your life that have been a bad influence. How many people have had those? <laughs> my first school report. It's branded in my memory. Um, my parents went in to see the teachers and came back with a report which was, Chris is very attentive, but he's easily led. <laughs> and evidently I was getting, being got into trouble by others because I'd be a follower and not a leader. Do you have people in your life that you look up to? Do you have people in your life who are your mentors? Who you think, yep, that's, that's the one, that's the person that I'd like to be like. Can we just dim the lights and do the soundy thing and see if whether this works? Since we're talking about surfing, why don't yeah. you give us your thoughts about surfing? Surfing, surfing. Where do I start? How about just at the beginning? Okay, well, uh, so as soon as there was the first wave, right? There was the first surfer. All they needed was like a, um, you know, something like a some piece of driftwood, a block of ice or something like that. And then they were off. And they were hooked, man. They were hooked. Up till recent times, you had your old dudes, you know, your, your hang six cats. These old guys used to lay down with these huge, humongous boards. And these guys were the pioneers. But nobody saw what surfing could really be until Big Z did it. Could you tell us who Big Z was? Who is Big Z? You're asking the right guy. You got, you got that far. Z is <laughs> everything. Big Z is surfing, man. I mean, he's, there may well have not been an ocean before Z. They invented the ocean for him. And he lived so hard because he wasn't afraid to live. He wasn't afraid to die. I was just a kid. Man, it was just it was the biggest thing that ever happened here. And suddenly there he was. Just floating over the water, just hovering, you know, like weightless. Could have walked up to anyone. And he walks right up to me. And he gives me this awesome, one-of-a-kind Big Z necklace. And then he tells me, you know, kid, you know, never give up. Find a way, because that's what winners do. He was the greatest. Everyone looked up to him, respected him, loved him. And one day, one day I'm going to be just like him. Mm-hmm. That could be an analogy for Jesus. 
And one day, maybe today's the day, that you'll just be like him. And when we come to church, we want to be in a place where we're being Jesus to one another. We want to build one another up. Now I'm going to talk to a certain section of the congregation. Do not turn off over here. I'm coming back to you in a minute. Guys of my age, kind of generation thing, we have an opportunity and a responsibility to encourage the next generations. I was really struck by Simon's vision of a church where there were senior people, some of you are not so senior, but there are senior people who opened up and allowed young people a way through. You know, as we grow older, we've all got to be in the baton passing business. I met Simon Keeley at um, Eastgate Church, Eastgate's Community Church. And they'd gone through a conference and they were seeking God's will and they'd heard about a place called Riverside, TEC Riverside, down in Whitstable. And the following day they came down to uh, Whitstable and knocked on the office door at the bungalow, uh, which we had next to the church, and just said hello. So we said, we'll show you around. So we showed them around and I took them into our old big hall. (laughs) And... God gave me a picture, and I said to them, you know, it's good to meet you, I think God's given me a picture for you, but it's not an appropriate time to share that with you, so that's fine. They went off, put their application in, we went through the whole process, we got to the interview, and it came down to the fact that unanimously, the leadership team and the appointment team all said, there, it's them. Now, you see, I can talk to them about them, because they're not here. <laughs> they're enjoying a bit of rest in Scotland. Um, and so, we managed to call them back, to the meeting and told them that we believe God was calling them and and told us to appoint them to be the next leaders of the church. And the first thing (laughs) that Keely did was she turned to me and said, and what was the picture? And I said, okay, I can share it to you now. I said, I have not shared this with anybody uh, because it would have been unfair, it would have been unethical. But I said, what I saw was me handing you a baton, passing on the leadership. And I think that was just another one of the confirmations. We have to be passing on the baton to the next generation. We must have the grace to do it. We must have the love and the joy and the peace to do it. Because they are the generation that are going to carry the church into the coming years. Now we can do it grudgingly... They don't do things like we do them. Of course they don't. (laughs) They're the next generation. And whenever has the generation done what the previous generation did? Did you do what your parents did? No, you didn't. Come on, let's be honest. We can do it positively. And Paul talks in this scripture about having spiritual fathers and mothers to, to mentor and bring on those of the next generations. 
And you know, guys, we have experience. We have maturity. We've been through a lot. We've got gifts that we can share. And we need to cheer them on because it ain't easy being young people. We need to get behind them in prayer. We need to give up our time if they would take it and share our journey with them so that they can learn and grow and help them overcome the difficulties and the challenges they face. I want to call upon everybody of my generation to commit themselves to being a mentor, if only to pray for somebody, if not to get alongside somebody. We can encourage the next generation. We need to reach out to young people. We need their energy. We need their vision. We need them to take Riverside Church forward. I'm full of wrinklies here. Okay? You know me. I just do that to get your attention. (laughs) You're not meant to do this Christian journey alone. You're meant to have people to show you the way. People who've gone before you. People who've made the mistakes. People who know how to keep you on the right path. And that's going to be a challenge because it means you've got to maybe give up your little clique of relationships and allow other people in to help you and to mentor you. And... We do this together because we're God's family. Now, families are quirky. They're imperfect. You've got the uncle who will always say the most inappropriate thing at the most inappropriate time. I'm afraid we've got those in the church. Okay? <laughs> we have. I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you. But let me tell you, God has gifted each one of us to each other so that we can love one another and build one another up, to influence each other for good, to spur each other on to the good works that God's called us to do. So I'm just calling upon you young people to say, look, go out and meet your friends, be an influence for good, take Jesus Christ with you, and don't be afraid to bring him back here. I'm going to make a commitment on behalf of everybody else to say, we will welcome them, And we will try not to be the aunt who does the most inappropriate things at the inappropriate times, okay? We will welcome them with open arms and we will say that we will be there for them and we'll be there for you. As our previous generations were there for us. Will you just stand with me? I want us to make a commitment this morning to be a multi-generational church that has spiritual mothers and fathers who will look after the generations that are to come. We need to do this, guys. We need to do this. God has a big vision for this place, for this church. And it's for everybody. From the oldest to the youngest. God wants to bless us. And as we bless one another across the generations, then God's going to do something amazing in this place. So just ask God for 
an insight into what you're called to do in response to this message this morning. And I'm going to ask Matt if he'll come and just play us out with create a passion in our hearts. A fire that burns, not only for Jesus, but for one another and for the generations of this church. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.